Hey everyone, welcome to an episode of Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. It's been a while, so apologies on that. Uh, no excuse really, but apart from the fact that I've been super busy and sometimes when it's come to me having to get up early the next morning for something or stay up late editing these podcasts, no offence, I do sometimes pick the sleep over the podcast. But this is an episode, it is coming to you, and of course it is free of charge every Wednesday. And it comes to you on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or wherever, wherever you get your podcast from. Please be sure to tell a friend, tweet it out, do whatever you need to do out to make sure that the lovely stories like you're hearing with this week's guest, Johnny Saint, get heard by as many people as possible. And of course, if you are new to this podcast and you don't quite know who this voice is, this lovely voice, of course, is the one of the mod father, Flash Morgan Webster, or more importantly than that, the next 45 minutes to the hour, to and a half, however long this conversation, with the wonderful Johnny Saint, as I said, goes this week. I will be your host. Was that? I see it. Facilitator for all these chats, discussions, gatherings. You know me, absolutely love that word, gatherings, with your wrestling favourites. Was that? I like to call them my wrestling friends. I've already said the part now about the uh, it being free of charge most Wednesdays or wherever I release it on iTunes and SoundCloud and all that stuff. Um, but... I guess the next part would be me thanking our wonderful sponsors, which are pinsandknucklesmerch.com. They are in the process of setting up a uh, new site to keep your eyes peeled for that, and uh, they might have something interesting coming up on the horizon. So again, I won't say any more than that, just say keep your eyes peeled. But thanks to them, we are able to keep it free of charge. And if you're looking for, if you're rest looking for the best place to get stuff screen printed, if you're looking for embroidery, if you're looking for DTG printing, anything like that, They'll match prices, they'll get out to you faster. They really are all about making sure that they are the best on the market. And again, that is pinsandknucklesmerch.com and they keep this podcast absolutely free. So big thank you to them. Uh, I will be having some new t-shirts released in the next couple of weeks. So again, if you want to help me keep this podcast on the air, uh, able to do that at morganwebster.pickartel.com. They're not on there now. So if I told you this and you're really excited, don't go on there because they're not on there. But there are some hoodies on there for the 198 and there are also uh, some t-shirts from the 198 on there as well. I haven't released the green ones. I will at some point. Or I might just keep them a, a, a show exclusive. I don't know. I haven't got a clue. Just go, just kind of rolling with the dice. We'll see what's going on. But yeah, um, if you can't afford to do that, I do understand sometimes time is hard, then maybe just give me a cheeky shout out on the social media. I'm at Flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter. I'm at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram. I am Facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster on the Facebook. I do have an email for any seminars, gigs, events, anything like that you want to book me for. And that, of course, is Morgan... Where's not? Flash Morgan at live.co.uk. Again, apologies. It's been a while since I've done this. So I'm um, uh, maybe racing through a little bit. Battery light is flashing too. So hopefully I get this done as quickly as possible. But yeah, if you do want to book me for anything, again, it's Flash Morgan at live.co.uk. A couple of weeks in advance, I guess. The biggest one will be I've just come back from uh, three weeks in uh, the USA. I did two... Uh, two weeks at the uh, PC in Florida, where I did some of the wonderful coaching shows. Took on Luke Menzies one night. I took on a wonderful match with uh, Roderick Strong on another one. Some people call that match the night. Uh, lots of fun. First time meeting with me and Roderick. Learned a lot. Had a lot of fun. And hopefully we get to do it on NXT uh, or NXT UK at some point. I really would love as well to do uh, him and Kyle versus me and Mandrews at some point as well. Because that would be great really would love to do that but yeah had a great two weeks there and then we me myself mark and the rest of the nxt uk gang flew out to uh, new york and to be a part of wrestlemania week over that week super busy week um i wrestled me and mark south wales subculture wrestled uh davari and mike canellis uh we also took on 
So that'll be on, sorry, that'll be on Cruiserweights Collide, one of the episodes on, uh, on the WWE Network. Uh, me and Mark also took on Mustache Mountain as well, so that's one of the NXT UK tapings, so definitely check that out. And then on Untelevised one, we uh, also took on the Street Profits in what was a very fun and exciting match. And uh, again, hopefully we get to do that uh, on NXT UK or NXT at some point in the future. Two matches there, Roger Strong and Street Profits that I would definitely love to do again. Had a lot of fun with Luke Menzies, but I've also wrestled Luke before. So again, first time meeting for the other two and one that I would definitely love to do again. WrestleMania was a lot of fun. Take was a lot of fun. If you haven't checked it out, definitely go check out the Bruiserweight Pete Dunne versus Walter from NXT uh, TakeOver Brooklyn. It was absolutely amazing. It was Yep, absolutely great. So definitely go check that out. It's very different to any other match on the card. Um, I'm not giving away spoilers. You probably know the result. But again, it's absolutely amazing. And yeah, definitely go check out WrestleMania. The, the Kofi and Brian match is incredible. I personally love Triple H and Batista. had that uh, that real fights backyard feel, which I absolutely love. And myself and Pete Dunne and Mark Andrews loved it as well, watching along. And Brock Lesnar and... Rollins and there's a mad bump from Shane McMahon and Miz again if you haven't gotten to see Wrestlemania yet it's great definitely go check that out um, but I think I feel like I'm racing through this but it is because the battery light is screaming at me so um, I don't think there's anything else to say really um, maybe if you haven't yet go get tickets for NXT uh, Glasgow we're nearly I think we're nearly sold out uh, on the second day I think the first day is sold out so definitely go grab some tickets there and what should be a very very exciting uh, weekend so uh, yeah I guess all's left to say is uh, sit back relax and enjoy was a wonderful little conversation with Johnny Sint in a bit people do you say you've lived here for 40 years? Uh, not not down here for 40 years no I, I left Manchester some 40 years which is where I'm born and bred yeah uh, I lived in Blackpool for about 20 years, uh, and I've lived down here for maybe about 22 years now. Why did you move here? Um, well, my family, we're not from Manchester, uh, Wales originally, we're <coughs> all from Manchester, but my my family all moved in. My, my father came here and uh, was in business here, and then uh, my brother followed him down here, and then my sister followed him down here, and, uh, and then... Although my mum and dad were separated, divorced, my mother came to live with my sister down here. Uh, and I went through a tricky period in my life when I was in Blackpool. And uh, during that recession, you know, I uh, lost a lot of money and uh, needed somewhere to sort of lie low and uh, <laughs> let the dust settle. Yeah, I got it, yeah, yeah, of course. And, uh, and so I came down here to just sort of disappear for a while, you know. And uh, once having got here, kind of stayed so you never so you never you'd been here before obviously though, oh yeah. yes many times in fact one of the first family holidays I ever remember was here in Rill we lived in Manchester mm. you know, as I've said uh, yeah and, and then of course in them days when I was like knee high to a grasshopper it was like uh, the big thing you know pack the car up and we're going away for a week's holiday and uh, yeah and really it was. Yeah. yeah, we used to do the same with uh, Minehead down in, down in oh, Somerset because yeah. cross, yeah. only across the bridge, really. That's right. But yeah, yeah. it's yeah. weird how the, the seaside holidays used to be the big thing. They, they did, didn't they? Yeah. Very big thing, yes. And now yeah. everyone just jumps on planes. and Absolutely. Well, we say, we say this, uh, the, me and the girlfriend are going away to Paris next week, but it's so, it's so cheap and affordable just to jump on a, on a plane. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, travel has become so easy these days, yeah. hasn't it? Yes, yes. yes. 
But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start off, and so I'm joined you today by uh, the one and only Johnny Saint. Hi. <laughs> it's, good, it's, good to have, it's good to have you. It's good to have you on, Johnny. Uh, yours again. We've spoke about doing this for for a while, and every time I mention it, you're like, "Of course, you're more than welcome." But it just never never seemed to happen. So, oh, well, when you're flying around like we do, up and down and yeah. all over the place, it's difficult, isn't it? It is. But uh, yeah, I grabbed your I grabbed your details off. I think I grabbed your details off you before, yes. and then checked my phone the other day and didn't have them. So I luckily dropped uh, Jim Small in a message, right. and uh, and he sent me them back. Right. The uh, the girlfriend. Uh, so we have a uh, a poster in our front room. So when we got mm. our house, you know, you know how uh, how girlfriends can be. She has the house her way, and I, right. and I and I don't yes. mind. I yes. don't mind. I let her as yes. long as she's happy. I'm happy. Yes. But sometimes I'll get something for the house, and she goes, "Nope, don't like that." And I go, "Okay." <laughs> but I got these wrestling posters, these old old school right. wrestling posters. Yes. And I thought she isn't going to like these, but she took one look at them and she, she loved them. So they're really? framed, and there's one up in the in the front room. There's two in the kitchen. Right. And the one in the front room has has you on it. All right. So when we did the Royal Albert Hall, which we'll get to, and yes. you came out, yes. she was said that she knows very little about wrestling, John. Okay. She does, but she was completely starstruck because she'd right. spent the last year. Looking at this poster with oh, you right. in the corner, right. it had uh, so, it had you on fame at last. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how I usually like to start this, John, is what's your earliest memory of wrestling? When can you remember kind of falling in love with wrestling? Uh, my earliest memory of wrestling, if you'll excuse the pun, is I started off uh, as an amateur boxer at school. My last year at school, I left school when I was fifteen. And where I lived in uh, New Moston, uh, Manchester, four doors away, uh, on the opposite side of the street, was a corner shop, which was a, a lady's hairdressing salon. And my mother used to go and have her hair done there. And it was Esther Robinson, Billy Robinson's mother. Yeah. Now, Billy is three years older than me and obviously a lot bigger than me. But I got introduced to Billy. And Billy opened up an old, uh, it, it was called the Valley House, uh, down in Lower Failsworth. Uh, and it used to be sort of a dance academy. My mother used to go there in her teenage years. Yeah. It was a wooden, nothing more than a wooden shack, really, uh, at the side of the canal. But it had a wonderful wooden floor, beautiful for skipping on, you know. Yeah, I got you. Things like that. And Billy opened up this as a, an amateur wrestling club. And Billy's dad was an ex-boxer, ex-pro boxer. Now, Billy would have been a boxer, actually, had he not had an accident and he was partially blind in one eye. Oh, really? Yes. That's why he, he, he started, that's why he took up wrestling. Oh. So I used to go all, go down to this gymnasium. I, in, in actual fact, I helped Billy to put the mat down on that. And, of course... Uh, Billy's dad was there and, and there was some punch bags there and uh, we'd get the uh, the gloves on occasionally and if it hadn't been for Billy's dad I think I'd have been <laughs> you know Billy's dad used to have to say take it easy with him Billy you know he used to reel me off the four walls but, uh, it was predominantly an amateur wrestling gymnasium but did you know it was wrestling when you started going, or was it... Yes, oh yes, yes. Uh, and of course I used to uh, go down there three times a week and uh, get my uh, head shoved up my you-know-what <laughs> by Billy and uh, 
things like that, you know. Where, where, where did he learn? Where did he, where did he learn this? I think it was YMCA in Manchester and places like that. Okay. And, and Wigan and, you know, because it was a, a great school of what we used to call shooting, wasn't it? Yeah. Wigan and places Snake like pit and stuff like that, yeah. Snake yeah. pit, yeah. Yeah. And um, at the same time as this, I had another friend who was uh, a little bit older than me and used to go to a gymnasium down, well, if you could call it Jim, you couldn't really, it was a, sort of a downstairs of a terraced house, really, uh, in, um, uh, next to Moss Side in Manchester, it was. Uh, and he took me down there one day, and uh, and I got on the mat with some, there was, there was no ring there, it was just a mat on the floor. Uh, and um, I got on the mat with some guys, I, d I didn't know who they were, and just pulling around with them. And there was a couple of guys stood there with suits on. Uh, I didn't know who they were. And um, they approached me afterwards and said, have you ever thought of turning professional? Uh, and I said, well, no, you know, I, I never thought about it at all. And uh, the next thing I know, I was uh, professional. <laughs> so did you even know you could make money off it, or was it... No, not really. Um, I mean, in those days, I was, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I turned pro when I was 18. My first match was on my 18th birthday, actually. I mean, I was just, uh, I was working in a factory, which I hated. Yeah. Uh, what, what, were you, uh, what were you making? Uh, well, I was in, on, on the sort of the loading gang, if you were. You okay. know, they produced, you know, they, the holdalls that you carry your gear around in. Yeah. They, they produced that stuff, and it was, it was, it was produced in huge rolls, and we used to have to load it onto the wagons and that. So I was on the like the loading gang, and um, so yes, I uh, I got taken down to this gymnasium, and and, uh, uh, and and then they said, well, you know, why don't you come and and, and have a tryout, which I did, and uh, the next thing I know, I'm, I'm a professional wrestler. <laughs> what did you uh, What did your mum and dad think? Well. <laughs> They were a bit unsure, but I, I mean, I'd been an, I'd never excelled at all at school. Uh, you know, maths and, and things like that. I was always in the bottom five at the class, and English I wasn't too bad at. But put me on the track or in the gymnasium, and I always excelled. I was far better physically than I was mentally. Mentally, you know, uh, and um, uh, so I think they they, they realised that it was no good trying to push me. I mean, they wanted me to go to night school and things like that, but I used to pay truant and, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I just wasn't that way inclined. I was, I've always been a sort of physical... Uh, I, I'm handy, I'm, I'm much happier if I've got tools in my hand. Got you. And things like that, or if I'm in a gymnasium training. And so I think they, they decided, they, they realised that they couldn't push me the way they wanted me to go, and so they gave me, more or less gave me a free hand. And uh, and that was it. Yeah. Who was your uh, Who was your first match against? And where was it? A fella, I'll never forget it. Actually, it was the fella who I, uh, called Colin MacDonald, okay. who uh, lived in Lower Failsworth, uh, and he took me down to the gymnasium. It was Grant Fotheringham's gymnasium in uh, Hume, somewhere like that in Manchester, and. He got me my first wrestling appointment and it was for a fella called Peter Cooter and it was up in Tynemouth 
up uh, up the north east of England, northwest of England, and uh, and I actually wrestled this Colin MacDonald, uh, and and after that I was just bitten, you know. That was it. That was it. Yes. Did you? How long was it until you knew it was the more of the performance act? Cause I'm guessing with Billy, the majority of it you were shooting and you were doing catch. You never learned a thing about the professional stuff off Billy Robinson. Just the shoot and the catch. It was all straightforward shoot and catch. All it never. I used to pay. I used to go and watch Billy wrestle, and never knew the strength of the job. Never. And I couldn't believe it. One day, when this this friend of mine who took me down to this gymnasium said, "Well, you don't you don't hold people any harder than this," and I couldn't understand it. And I got on the mat with the guys, and they said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" I was ripping into them. Wasn't yeah, I, I didn't know any different. Because Billy protected the job that Oh, long. absolutely, 110%, yes. So I was ripping into these guys and, whoa, it just came, everything came, the, the gymnasium came to a standstill, you know, and I was given my, a severe rollicking and, <laughs> and told, no, this is how it is. But then did you then try to go back to Billy and then try to work like that with Billy and Billy would then rough you around again and you realised... No, to be perfectly honest, once I'd, once I'd gone down to this uh, gymnasium and uh, uh, and realised what the job was about, the bottom fell out of it. <laughs> well, of course, yeah, if you were, if you were getting... I'd, I'd been used to having my head shoved up by, you know, yeah. for, for, you know, and yes... So uh, yeah, and, and it sort of progressed from there. Did you ever have a? Did you ever speak to Billy about it and say to him, "Well, no, not really. No, no, no. Um, I think we, we, you know, we just accepted that that's that's what it was, and yeah. So by the time you had this match with uh, this McDonald fella, you knew that it was a, a performance. Yes. Yeah. I, I did then. Yes. 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 And from there. You were full time, so were you making a full time living off it? Not or? at not at uh, the start. No, it was very. I mean, I worked for the smaller independent promoters who um, were not sort of. They didn't work together. Uh, you could accept a date off of one promoter, uh, uh, and then if you phone another promoter and he said, "Well, I've got this, this, and this for you," and and if if two dates clashed. And you said, well, I'm sorry, I can't do this day because I'm working for such a body. That was it. He said, right, you can't do that day. You can't do the rest of my days. Oh, really? So it was very cutthroat then because they weren't organised, you know. So it was always very difficult to get, uh, shall we say, a full month's work where you could uh, earn a living. You know, if, if it ever worked out, you got a, a full month's work uh, and nothing clashed. That was uh, amazing, actually. So if they, so for example, if you had somebody off you seven dates but one of those dates clashed then all seven dates were you either accepted the seven dates and cancelled the one date or the broad would cancel the seven dates but then that one date could have also been another seven dates so yeah absolutely absolutely yeah it was always uh, it, you know it was always on the promoter's side then the wrestlers were all always uh, you know the underdogs and of course in them days I didn't have a phone at all I used to have to Walk hundred yards to the nearest phone box, and that's how you got your your that, bookings. And I used to go take my sheet of paper and all my and phone all the promoters once a month and say, "What have you got for me? What have you got for me?" And yeah, and then if something clashed, you then have to hang up and then ring the other person up. Yeah, and yes, 
Oh, it was it was real tricky. Yes. We don't know we're born, do we? <laughs> oh, the business has changed so much. I mean, it's it's like a walk in the park now. Yeah. Well, that's one of your sayings. You say it was going for a walk in the park. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's yeah. right. So you were work. So you were doing professionally, but then were you still in the factory at the same time? Yeah, at the beginning. Yes. Yes. Yes, at the beginning. So, did you have days where you were getting in late from shows and then having to go straight into work? Or oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. So how did you find that aspect of... Uh, it was hard, you know, and you get home at two and three in the morning. I mean, bearing in mind that the roads were nothing like they are today. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if, you weren't, if I did a, a job in London, I'd have to leave Manchester at ten o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. Because the, 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 the M1 was then was only partially built up as far as Northampton. So then you're on all the A roads and all the B roads. A roads, yes, yes. Yeah. So how long were you then... Uh, working like that until you became full time, or was it well, quite a few years? I was a bit pig-headed actually. <laughs> uh, I didn't work in the factory for very, very long. Although I wasn't secure in the wrestling business, I packed the the, the, the factory job in because at the time I was um, I was uh, friendly with this Colin McDonald, and we used to uh, we had we had a van between us. We used to do a bit of scrap iron and things like that, and. We used to work with the gypsies and, you know, buy and sell stuff off the gypsies and things like that. Yeah. yeah. But again, I guess that kind of, with them, a lot of the gypsies being, they used to do the carnivals and they also yeah. used to do the, the fairs. So That's I right. guess you kind of doing the wrestling went hand in hand when it came oh, to that, yes. that sort of stuff. Yeah, to a certain extent, yes. Did you ever do any of the, the, the fairgrounds and wrestle on the fairgrounds and stuff like I that? I did a couple ones, yes, down... Um, down the uh, right down the bottom of England, you know, Devon, Cornwall, and right. yeah, but they were a little bit, you know, so 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 yeah. so. Yeah. So you packed that in, and you're doing a little bit like that. When did it really start, kind of getting good for you? And you thought to yourself, wait a second, I could make a, I can make a full time living out of this. Right. Um, I got a phone call one day. Um, and it was from a fellow called Paul Li- well it w- Paul Lincoln, who was, uh, I believe, an Australian, who had come over here and was promoting uh, his, his office. I'll never forget this, actually. Uh, his office was in Old Compton Street, Soho, okay. directly above the Two Eyes Coffee Bar, believe it or not. Okay. Right? And I got a phone call one day from them, uh, out of the blue, uh, saying that they were a man short. Now, and it was somewhere in London. Um, Would I go? So I jumped in my old car and down I went. And that was my first job for Paul Lincoln. And I worked with Tony Charles. Remember Tony Charles? I do know Tony Charles. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic fella. Good, you know. Yeah. And that was sort of my introduction. I'd never been in London before. And that was my introduction into uh, uh, the South of England type. From that, from that day onwards, I got lots of work off uh, Paul Lincoln. Because of how well you did with, with yeah, Tony? with Tony, yeah, because he was a fantastic worker, wasn't he? Was, was, would you say the, that match with Tony was the one that kind of opened your eyes? Because wrestlers talk about kind of thinking they know wrestling and yes. then getting in the ring with somebody yes and then they kind of yes. it changes it so oh, how was yes. that getting in the ring yeah. with Tony it was fantastic yeah I mean uh, he was bigger and bulkier than me you know but 
he was he was such an easy guy to work with and uh, and, uh, and I always remembered uh, when we came out uh, of the ring because I was very unsure it's my first job that I'd ever done for uh, a promoter that I didn't know about and and, and, and a promoter from London as well uh, Tony told me he said uh, start to take more stuff oh really yes I, I think I went in and I was a little bit um, shall we say uh, not timid but um, uh, I sort of let Tony lead most of the way and I think Tony would have liked me to have taken more stuff now when we say that to people who don't understand take more stuff means Take, take an arm, take a leg, take, take, yeah, get, take stuck in, get stuck in a bit more. Yes. Well, we we always mean you always talk when we're we're down at the PC and stuff like that. But how how it's changed now, and it's a lot of it can be uh, we kind of know a lot of the stuff before we yeah. we go in. Yes. Yeah. But how different was it then when it came to to working? What would if you were going in with Tony? How would you that process go? Uh, it was totally different. Absolutely, I've got to admire you guys these days, yeah, because you, to, to remember the stuff that you do. In, in in my day, you just you didn't arrange stuff at all. You just went in. And, you arranged the falls, obviously. You just went in and worked. But then, like, how how would that process come about? Though, would you just walk in and just kind of introduce yourself to Tony, and that would yeah, be it? Yeah, and yeah, and you go. Yeah, and we we went and we worked and just and just yeah. and just felt the crowd and just felt the crowd, listened to the crowd, worked it. Yes, uh, and and you know you obviously arranged the falls, but you know uh, it wasn't set in stone. Uh, if we if we were doing a six round match uh, and we said right we'll do we'll do three four and six it, it wasn't set in stone you could do two four and six you could do two five and six it just depended yeah you know the feel of the crowd you know if you got to the end if you got to the, the near end of two and the crowd are biting and they yeah, want it yeah, you yeah. you just kind of took it home just took it yeah well, if, yeah. And then from after that, that Tony match, were you then were you full time straight after that, or? Well, more or less, I started to get more work then because um, uh, I'd more or less shown my metal then through Paul Lincoln Promotions, which was uh, uh, a big thing really in those days. So I started to get work off uh, off Paul Lincoln more and more. Uh, plus the, the fact I was I was still working up the north for uh, Danny Flynn and Freddie Woolley, Peter Cooter, Tommy Newton. Jimmy Lewis. I mean, I could work three times a week without leaving Manchester. Oh, that's brilliant. In the nightclubs. Yeah. And sometimes, on some nights, you couldn't do it every week, uh, some nights I could do a double. Yeah. Do Go on first at one club and then dash across the other side of town. And do the main and event and another. Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty so much... So in, in those days, I mean, I would work, I was in the factory... And I would work from half past seven in the morning till half past five at night, Monday to Friday, and I might draw about ten, eleven pounds. If I got a Saturday morning in, I might draw about twelve or thirteen pounds. So if I did uh, three clubs, uh, if I worked a club for Jimmy Lewis, I would get three pounds and ten shillings for a six-round match. Yeah. So if I did three clubs in that, in that week, it was a full-time wage. W age. Absolutely. So you you uh, how old you you were in eighteen nineteen? So you would have been like a kid in the can in the candy shop. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And have all day to myself. If, if I you know once I'd packed the job in. Yeah. The full time job in. I'd got all day to myself and just wrestle around and, and train and yeah train and do a bit of scrap iron and whatever and yes, it was totally different. That's brilliant. Yeah. Where did um, now your style is completely. At the time, if you look a lot of the world of sport guys and stuff like that from my era, 
your style is so unique you'd add in those comedy elements with the ball and stuff mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. where did that come from for somebody who trained with Billy who was very strict very strict yeah. yes yeah um, I was working a lot for uh, Max Crabtree uh, who more or less took over when the old joint promotions kind of folded well let's talk about let's talk about Max then when did you when did you kind of Get introduced to Max. Well, I worked for Max years and years. Well, I worked for Shirley years and years ago, uh, and then of course Max took over uh, joint promotions, didn't he? Yeah. You know when all the old promoters uh, sold out, and uh, I think they sold out to some one of these big conglomerates, you know. But of course, the people that these conglomerates put in the office didn't realise what wrestling was about and weren't. They couldn't match make and, and work uh, shows out, you know, so the business slumped. Oh, really? Consi- oh, yeah, it slumped considerably, actually, yes. But Max was still running shows on the fringe, uh, and he was still doing good business because Max understood the business, you know. Of course. So the, uh, the powers that be, whoever owned all this uh, conglomerate now, they put Max in charge, and of course the business came back up. Because he, he understood the business. He understood the business. He knew that if he put Tom, Dick and Harry on with such and such a body and, and he mixed a little bit of a bottle, it was going to be, a, you know, which he did occasionally, yeah. it was going to be a fantastic match. You talk about those uh, people kind of buying up the territories, we'll use, use the word territories, and you said the business slumped. Did you find that difficult? And were you, did you struggle in them times or were, were you okay? No, no. It, uh, because I was, I was re- really relying on wrestling to uh, earn my living more than anything when it slumped I found it very very difficult yeah yeah very difficult so when you when joint promotions came around you say that this is when the the more entertainment style of it came came across mm-hmm. so let's, let's talk about how you developed those things then the the ball and the other stuff that people came to know right well uh, do you remember the the name called George Kidd yep well George was a uh, a master of, they called him the master of a thousand holes, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, and towards the end of his career, George wouldn't travel out of Scotland uh, because he had business uh, uh, things up in Scotland. I think he had a pub or some pubs or something like that. Okay. And at the time, Max Crabtree was more or less looking for somebody to sort of take over from George. Uh, and I was one of the very few blue eyes that George would work with because George always wanted to work with villains to okay. show his style off, you know. Uh, and I worked with George a couple of times. And we only did short matches, but uh, we got away with it, you know. And, and so, and I more or less took over from George when, when George retired. Yeah. Did you, you talk about that kind of him wanting to work uh, villains and yourself, you, you made a reputation and a, a career a lot of time out of wrestling, out of wrestling villains. Do you think that I myself always find it very difficult when you put in there in a the word we use would be like a cold match against yes. a, ba- a, a baby face or a blue eye? Yeah. Did you used to struggle? Was it the same then? Was it a struggle? No, not really, because people, um, you know, I mean, I've, nobody has done more 15 round draws than me. And Stevie Gray, Zolly Boschik, John Cortez, Peter Cortez, Johnny Williams, uh, oh. I can go on and on and on, you know. Uh, people accepted wrestling more then. 
you, you know, we could do a 15 round wrestling match, 15 round draw wrestling match, and the people would accept it. Whereas things have moved on now, haven't they? You know, yeah. you've got to give the crowd something now, and uh, in those days they would accept more wrestling than, than what they would now. Well, back then as well, as you said, the, they believed that the the job was real. That's right, yes. So, you ne- did you ever really work villain that much? I, I tried it a couple of times, but I don't know why. It must have been my style, uh, but the crowd just wouldn't accept it. <laughs> I didn't it. No, no, they wouldn't accept it, so... But that must have been that must have been kind of great for you because you talk you hear about these these villains from back in the day that couldn't walk into the local pub or they yeah. they couldn't they couldn't walk down the street because they'd have that's right they'd have a thing. Yeah. So how do you how do you think how do you think that's impacted the the sport today with it kind of changing and becoming more openly known that it's performance. I, I, I don't think it's. I mean, no matter what your style is these days, I think you could. Uh, you could walk whether you're the biggest villain in in the world uh, on TV. I think you could walk into any pub and people would just say hi, how are you? because they they know now, don't yeah, they? They yeah. know. Yes. So, yeah. so do you think that that kind of do you think that hurts or do you think that benefits today's audience? Ah, uh, now then, here's a contradiction. Okay. A, a real contradiction. I realise that things have to move on in life. Otherwise, it fa- they fail. I sometimes uh, I, I I cringe sometimes when I watch matches these days. Okay. Uh, and I wish that it would go back a little bit towards what it used to be, especially villain type stuff, you know. But at the same time, here's the contradiction, I realise that, as I've just said, unless things move with the times, they fail. Yeah. So I've got to accept. But just because just cause you accept it, though, doesn't mean you don't, you don't have to stop liking what you like. Oh, no. No, I like what I like, but I'm, I think I'm practical, and I'm in this modern world, and I have to stay in this modern world. Otherwise, I would get left behind. Yeah, that's true. That's very, very true. Now, um, one of the things I did want to talk on, we spoke a little bit about this before I turned the recorder on, was you winning the uh, the British Lightweight Championship. Yes. Now, how was things like that decided back in the day? Because we kind of know how things work now, but how would that would have been decided? Right, well, in the old days, joint promotions were a very, very organised uh, company. I think there was about 12 or 13 promotion promoters in joint promotions, and they used to have monthly booking meetings and each promoter would take it in turn to have first choice of the men he wanted for that month. So for one week of the month, you would work for I would work for Dale Martin Promoters, I would be based in London. Second week of the month, I would work for Railway Scotland Green, which was Leeds-based, uh, and I would travel for them. Third week of the month, I'd work for Morell and Beresford, uh, and I would work for them. So... In these monthly booking meetings, they would decide amongst themselves who they wanted to push and who they wanted to be the champions or whatever. And so that's how it was decided. Then would they ring? Would they ring you up, or did you still have to ring them up and ask where you were? No, you used to get a monthly date sheet. Okay, through the through the post. Through the post, oh, through you the get post. a date sheet every month. It was very organised, you know. Uh, yeah, and you'd uh, just put it all in your diary, and then when you went and worked for the 
individual promoters, they would tell you what was going to happen. You know, we're going to make you champion or whatever. So whoever you're on with tonight, you've got to shine. You've got to, you know, it's to Dad, straight yeah. you over or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they just kind of took charge and kind of yeah. did that. Yeah. So can you remember how? Can you remember the build up to you winning the the championship? Um. The memory is vague these days. <laughs> okay. uh, we did a sort of, um, over a period of time, and I think it was on television, we did a sort of uh, elimination, um, a series of elimination contests. Okay, so what, what did that entail? Uh, there was maybe about six or so lightweights who were all up for the title, as it were, and we had to do... We had to wrestle one another, and the winner goes forward. Like a tournament. Like a tournament, yeah. that's it, yeah, tournament, yes. And um, I think it finished up with myself and Jimmy Brakes. Okay. And uh, Jimmy was an absolute darling. Jimmy's one of my favourites. Oh, yeah. an absolute darling to work with, you know. He could suss a crowd out in two seconds, and uh, yeah. And, and it got to the stage with uh, myself and Jimmy that uh, the promoter would just say, go on and do it. <laughs> really? Yeah, and it didn't matter if we went on and did five minutes or 15 minutes. Just went out there and just felt it. Just went out there and did it. And we took, we just did it. And when it came, we, we took the finish or whatever it was. And like I say, five minutes, 15 minutes, it didn't matter. Would you say Jimmy is one of your all-time favourites to be in the ring with? Oh, yes, definitely, yes. Who who would you say is your without without kind of taking anyone else off? But who who would you say is your favourite to ever be in the ring with? Oh, now you're asking me a question. There, mm. I mean, Jimmy's got to be number one. Zolly Boshi, Zolly Boshi was fantastic. John Cotters, Peter Cotters, Johnny Willie. I could go on and on. There were so many fantastic workers in those days. But I think I think top of the tree would come Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy Brace. And you were. With you being on, you becoming the champion, and then you being pretty much a regular on World of Sport, mm -hmm. did you, and Big Daddy being as big as he was, and yeah, it, yeah. World of Sport being big, did you ever feel like you experienced that celebrityism? Did you? Oh, yes. Yeah? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely, yes. so, so would you be recognised walking down, walking oh, down yes. the street, stuff like oh, that? Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. And how did, you, how did you deal with that? A young lad from Man a small place in Manchester, how would you, how did you deal with that? Well, when you... It was great to be out on the street and, and, and walking like you might be walking in Brixton and somebody would say, Hi, Johnny Saint, how are you? It was great, but when you wanted a quiet pint in the pub at night, <laughs> and people coming up, you know, it, it was like chalk and cheese. You know? Did you have people, Did you? would you have in the pub people come up and try to start fights or...? No, no, no. No? No, no. Never, never really happened with you? Uh, one or two awkward customers, you know, but uh, not really. No, not, not really. really. So World of Sport was kind of on TV till early 90s? Something like that, Yeah, yes. And then when it came to kind of come off TV, the houses kind of dwindled a little bit, didn't they? A little they? bit, yeah. It, it, it took a dip. It took so a dip. How, did you, how did you find that when that happened? Well, the work started to diminish a little bit. Uh, fortunately, by this time I'd realised, I lived in Blackpool and I had businesses in Blackpool, I'd realised that the... And I was getting older as well. Yeah. I had a family to support, two daughters and a you know, wife to support. And I realised that I uh, 
needed to um, get something a little more secure, you know. So I went into business. And uh, what business did you go into? Well, I own, originally I owned some holiday flats, a big property that was uh, uh, let into holiday apartments, and then I sold that and I bought a corner shop. Yeah, and just kind of jack of all trades, just kind of jack of all trades. Yes, yes. So. Was it ninety seven that you decided to retire? Was it ninety seven? I think it might be. I think it was about ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah. Where did that decision come from? Uh, I don't really know actually, but um, I think the business had sort of dipped that badly that, uh, and I was getting older and uh, maybe getting a little bit fed up of spending my life on the road because I, I'd hardly seen my my two daughters grow up. You know. Yeah. You either accepted the work or you sat on your backside at home, you know. So I was I was away travelling all the time, and I got like I say, two daughters had grown up, and uh, it didn't uh, it didn't go well for the the marriage, you know. I mean, I'm twice divorced. And we spoke about this. Not going not going to get married a third time. Oh no, no, I'm not going up for a third. Time. <laughs> I have a girlfriend now, and we live. We don't live together. It wouldn't last two minutes if we lived together. <laughs> she lives two minutes over the road and it suits us both. That's nice. you know, we've got the best of both worlds now. But you uh, said you decided that this is this is going to be it. I'm going to I'm going to pack it in. I'm going to. Yeah, well, I was getting older and and the physicality starts to take its toll on you, doesn't it? And like now, I'm waiting for knee replacements and things like that. Who did, uh, did you did you decide who you were going to retire against or where or did you just kind of wait until the the last booking kind of came and you went, right, that's me, done? No, I more or less put the feelers out and said, you know, this is going to be the end of it for me. And I think when, once once job promotions um, uh, folded and, and it became less secure, uh, I realised that because of my age, I realised that I had to do something positive with my life. Otherwise, you know, I would just sort of finish up well, as a nobody and uh, possibly in debt and, you know. You so. kind of decided you'd rather go out on a high yeah. than go out on your terms. That, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well put. Yeah. Well, you were, you kind of, you retired and you were you were gone really then for 10 years. Yes. Did you kind of look in on wrestling time to time or did you kind of wash your hands of it and say, right, I'm done? No, I, I, um, I tried to keep abreast with it, uh, but it didn't. I don't know. I wouldn't say I was sour against it, but I wasn't that... I was too busy trying to earn a living. Make a life, yeah. Yeah, and, and sort of... Because I, I came down to... Uh, I came down to real where I live now. I'd left Blackpool and came down here, and I was actually... Excuse the... I was on my arse. Yeah. Uh, financially, you know, so I had to start again, all over again, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I was... I would look occasionally and see what, what was happening in the business, but as far as I was concerned, it was a million years away. Yeah, you were out. So I was out, and that yeah. was it. I had to I had to start again from scratch. You either sink or you swim, and there was no way I was going to sink. So you decided, hey, I'm going to... That's wrestling's it. going this way, I'm going to swim. I'm going to, yeah. Yes. Swim this way. Because the business had gone so low, you know. So, um, and having no qualifications in my life at all... Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, the only thing I could do, I knew my way around the country, didn't I? I went and got a job as a HGV driver. Oh, really? Yes. 
See, my mum's always wanted to do that. She's always really? saying, always be one of her goals. She can't, she can't drive mine, John. Right. <laughs> it's always been one of her, her goals. How did you find that? Did you enjoy that? or? No, not really. No? Something I'd never recommend anybody to, to do. Well, to be fair, the, the travelling side of things with wrestling is the bit I probably... I don't dislike... I don't like driving in general, but no. the travelling when you sit there with somebody else is great, but if you're on your own, the travelling's awful. Oh, yeah. So you've taken that one aspect of wrestling... Which we probably all dislike, yes. and decided you were going to do it as a full-time living. It's, it's the only qualification I had. Oh, fair enough. You know, so I had to put something to work. I knew my way around the country, so I went and got myself a HGV driving uh, license, and I went working uh, for the steelworks. Oh, really? But I went what they called tramping. What's that? Well, you you leave the depot on a Monday morning, and you don't come back until Friday, Saturday. You sleep in the cab for five days. Yeah. And then you'd have the weekend off, and then you'd start again on the Monday. And you start again on the Monday. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So we had one of these big sleeper cabs, you know. So you literally have slept everywhere? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, it would have been two... Th- I think you might have retired in 97, because th- I'm pretty sure you came back 2007. Yes. And for me personally, so I, I started professionally in 2009, but the build-up to that for me was... Um, me and the boar down in Wales, uh, mm-hmm. building rings in his back garden because yes. there, there wasn't school, yeah. there many schools yeah. around. And we'd seen the internet had started to get big. So when it came to World of Sport, it was on the wrestling channel. Can you remember yes. the, the wrestling channel being on TV? Yes, I can. So that's what would have been our introduction to you. But I remember assuring um, that you were making a making a comeback, and I remember hearing this. Yeah. So where did where did that where did that come from? Because you said you kind of wash your hands of it, and you were you felt like you were done. So where did where did the the thought to come out of retirement come from? Uh, like I say, the memory goes a bit a bit dim. Actually, I think I'd I'd got myself sort of um, on my feet a little bit again. Uh, I'd bought this place, uh, uh, and I didn't live in it for two years because it needed renovating so badly. Well, it looks it looks lovely now, John. Thank you. Um, so I'd lived with my dad uh, for two years, and then. Um, I forget what happened now, but I um, somehow worked. I, I worked my rocks off and I paid the mortgage off double quick. So I was sort of not under any pressure, as it were. Yeah. And I hated the, the driving job. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the, the business seemed to bounce back again a little bit, and um, I got one or two phone calls. Can't remember who off who now. Uh, the comeback was LDN, so it would have been Sanjay. That's Sanjay. Right. Sanjay, yes. And I thought, well, why not? You know, because I'd always, I'd always done a little bit of training, although I was away five days a week, and I'd always trained a bit at weekend and tried to keep myself in, in form. And so I, I made the comeback, and and it sort of snowballed from there again. And it was against Johnny Kidd, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. And had you wrestled John much before? No, before not a great that? deal. I'd wrestled him before, yeah, but not a great deal. Not no, a great deal? No. And then you took that, you took that, do you have any any worries going into that, that comeback match? No, not really. No? Because a lot of people, you say like, you, you went out on your terms, yeah. and some people might have been worried about coming back and kind of hurting that, that legacy or something like that, but no. No, no. Oh, and I must admit, I was I was surprised at the receptions. I used oh, really? To, yeah, yeah. Did you not think that you would get that sort of reception? No, or? well, I thought I'd been out of the business for like nearly 10 years now, and, and I would be a forgotten 
item, uh, but I was I was quite surprised. And that one booking then led to led to others, led to more, yes, and more, yeah, more, yeah. Now you've travelled all over the world, is that yeah, correct? Yes. But the one place you hadn't wrestled is America. That's correct. Why? Why do you think that was? Why do you think you never kind of went to America? I tried to get into America oh years ago, years and years ago when I lived in Manchester. Uh, and I've sent all sorts of publicity over. I, I forget now who I'd got the uh, addresses off, but I think I wrote to about five or six different promoters over there and sent photographs and things like that. And I think it was because I wasn't... Um, I don't think I was established as much in this country, but because I was only a lightweight, really. And, yeah. and at that time, I think the Americans preferred the big bruiser-type fellas, yeah. so uh, I drew a blank on that. So, so you came back and you started kind of wrestling around with the likes of Johnny and, and others. Yeah. And then in 2008, you had a tag match against uh, Mike Quackenbush. That's correct, yes. How did you, uh, you find working with, with Mike? Okay, okay, yeah. yes, yeah. And I think Mike uh, liked my style. He does, yeah. yeah. Much just, if you go back, uh, you've probably seen it, but there's a, a lot of Shakara and a lot of his influences definitely come from yes. come from you. Yeah. So you had this match with um, with Mike, and then Mike invited you out to to make your American debut in two thousand and nine, something like that. Yeah, yes. yeah. So how did you how did you find that going out well, to America? I, I was absolutely amazed. I thought I'm going to America here. Nobody knows me here. Of course, I've forgotten about world of sport, hadn't I? Yeah. And the fact that World of Sport, uh, I believe, had been shown on so many different countries throughout the world that it was unbelievable. And, and the, the, the reception I got in America, it, it, it blew me away. Yeah. Absolutely blew me away. Well, you say about that, the, the big thing I think as well for, with you, John, is the internet has been such a, such a marvel. Absolutely. Here is where I lose out, you see, because I'm... You know, the, this modern world has left me by. You know, I've I'm, I've had a computer for ten years and I still can't work. <laughs> I've, I've got a mobile phone and I struggle with it. Well, you say that the 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 text messages you were sending me <laughs> yesterday were making, and I apologise. I I had to I had to park the seat outside. Oh, I like a little bit of fun. Oh, I like a little bit of fun. The, uh, said, laugh, the girlfriend uh, for anyone yeah. who's listening. Uh, so I messaged John yesterday and said uh, uh, Monday, and so I'm gonna. I'm going to park. I'm going to come and see you. And you, uh, what, what did you, what did you say, John? Uh, park round the back or something. Yeah, o- you, only Roll, Rolls Royce and Bentley's allowed to park outside my house. And my my, my, my girlfriend read it and went, "Is he being serious?" And I was like, "Of course not. He's not." But again, I, as I said, uh, we have this post, and the only yeah, time she yeah. sees you is with NXT, yeah. so she sees you as this serious character. Yeah. And I had to tell her that you like you like a good laugh, and we always have a bit of a laugh and a joke. Yeah. So yeah, I read that and that made me laugh. Yeah. And then when I replied back to you and said, unfortunately the Rolls Royce is in the, in the garage. <laughs> and you said, well there's a car park three miles up the road. <laughs> you laugh, so you say that, you're pretty efficient when it comes to the, the yeah. texting. I think you're better than my mum. And my mum, my mum's only like 51, 52, so you're definitely right. better than my mum. Right. Yeah, the, the internet's been absolutely fantastic when it comes yeah, to absolutely. learning. And, yes. and one of my favourite things to do is when we're down at the um, Performance Centre yes. in London. Is when we've got uh, a break, you'll you'll often come into the kitchen or whatever, yes, yeah. and one of us will have one of your matches on, or yeah, we showed you yeah. that that compilation video with 
sets uh, yeah. with all the music and stuff like that and you'd never seen that before no no that's true yeah. Yeah. so again that was one of the earliest things that we'd seen because yes. somebody made that music video and then when you did your comeback in Shakara right. they added the second part to it right. to make it a second part right. so me and uh, the ball said it was great to to watch that video that we would have watched when we were 15, 16, right, but right. to watch it with the man himself. Right, so that right. Was, yeah, <laughs> was great. But yeah, you went and did, uh, you went into Shikara a few times, is that right? Yes, I did. I can't remember. Maybe, maybe about three times. I'm not sure now. Yeah. Like I say, I do have memory problems <laughs> these days. <laughs> and you went out there and you had a match with Quack and Mushroom, I believe, and you, um, you wrestled, uh, was it, Daniel Bryan as well when he was yes there. Daniel yeah. Bryan yes yes and then did you you kind of again did you just make the decision then that okay that's that's me done I'm or did, or did it just kind of dwindle up no it sort of kind of dwindled off a little bit and and, and the fact that uh, for the last few years now I've been having knee problems you know, to the extent as I've just said I need a I'm waiting for knee replacement at the moment you know um and I realised that the body was getting a bit older and couldn't, couldn't take the knocks and bangs any longer. No. One of my one of my one of my favourite bits was when I, when the news broke that you had been invited over to Florida to be a part of the yeah. performance team over there. So how did how did that come about? I think it came came about through uh, Robbie Brookside actually because uh, I'm old pals with Robbie, you know, and I remember him coming into the business and. Uh, and I think that's how it happened, actually. Uh, and uh, I, I was literally offered a full-time job over there. Yeah. You know, but um, had it have happened 10, 15 years ago, I'd have jumped at the uh, the chance. But as I'm getting older now, I, I like my leisurely life. You, you like know. your comforts? I like my comforts now, yes. Uh, I feel as I've given my life to the business... Which I'm, I'm pleased at. You know, I'm, uh, I wouldn't have had it any other way, and and long may it rain. So, so I'm quite happy doing this week every five, every so often yeah. now and again. I'm quite happy doing that. How did you How did you find it when you went over to Florida? When you kind of thinking about where you started with Billy, and then you walked over to the performance center in oh, the US? I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it, honestly. The facilities over there are absolutely fantastic. Compared to the dank, dark, smelly, damp uh, gymnasium that I walked in, and you looked at the mat and you knew you were either going to get your head shoved up your backside or you're going to do it to somebody else. It, I mean, you walked into that brilliantly lit place with the two rings there, shower room restroom you know the gym as well the gym oh my gosh you know a totally different world completely different world and then did they when you went over there did they kind of tell you what they wanted you to be teaching or were you just kind of given no, a free I was range? given I was given a free range just to try and teach the english style wrestling which i was i was saying to somebody the other day it's it's crazy now that, like as you uh you've got robbie over there you've yes. got mossy over there um, even even Norman was was born in Wolverhampton, so he's very proficient yeah. in the British style. Yeah. It's it's great to see that this big American company, when they want to teach the fundamentals, English, British, absolutely, yeah, British wrestling is the way to is the yes, way to absolutely. go. Yes. So, 
that happened and you were kind of were you going being brought over back and forth was that the no first of all I went over and uh, I think the mistake was that I, I accepted a six month tour first of all I was there for six months non-stop uh, and I think that was a mistake actually okay like, how I think come? I should have done three months come home and gone back and done three months I got you uh, because when I came back after the six months I was sort of um, what can I say uh, I was I, I was I felt as though I was under a lot of pressure to get everything because I'd been away for six months there was so much to do yeah back home here you know and and it, it seemed to take me weeks and weeks and weeks to get myself straight again and get things running in order and uh, you know uh, things like that uh, that was a mistake to go for six months the, three months come back go back again the jet lag as well the yeah I know myself how much that can oh, that yes. can mess with me. So yes. I can only imagine how how, yes. how that would that would mess with you. Yeah. So do you wish you had done three months, come home, yes. and three months? Three and do you think if that had been the case, you would have continued to do? I'm sure rolling? I would. I'm sure I would have done. Yes. But the I'm six sure. months just took it out of you. Yeah, it was it was too much, too yeah. much. Yes. How did? Because um, a lot of the the younger people now listen to this, they would know you as the uh, NXT UK general manager. Yeah. So how did how did that come about? Uh, well, I, I, I really don't know how it came about, apart from the fact that I was just asked, to, "Would I be, you know, would I be interested in UK general manager?" And you know, why not? You know, it's uh, yeah, yeah. And of course, you were at the Royal Albert Hall, and and you got to kind of announce. This this new brand that nobody really knew about. Absolutely, absolutely. this NXT UK brand is yeah, yeah fantastic. It couldn't be better for this country, could it? No. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about that. It's like you are somebody who kind of came in in these dingy, as you said, these dingy yeah. clubs and gymnasiums. Yeah. You then kind of saw it peak and go on to world of sport, That's right. and then you kind of saw it taper off taper again. Taper off again. So. Like the other day, you went to you went to Progress Wrestling. Yes. Um, just looking at the where the scene is now, like that must be great to see how. Oh, absolutely, big absolutely. Um, although it's NXT UK, it's still uh, and it's and it's more or less run by the English guys over here. It's still American influence, of course. And you've got to give them their credit. Yeah. Absolutely, they know how to run businesses. Uh, they know how to give the public what the public want, which is what the business is about, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course. You know, if you don't give the public what the what the public want, you fail. And so this is a new lease of life. Although it's under the NXT UK brand, it's still, you know, the ideas come from America. Let's keep it going. Yeah. Long may it rain. Yeah. Well, when you went to uh, Progress the other day to watch Jim's promotion, how did you how did you find that? Because <laughs> you smile there. Because that's a very looking at the NXT model. Progress is a very different, oh, very I, different. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> what, couldn't believe. What can you believe? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's, you know, when Jim got in the ring and I said hello, you effing there. <laughs> Everybody shouting, oh, you, and oh my gosh, this is a whole new world. <laughs> yeah, it is. You yeah. Know? But the place was packed. F- yeah, full house. It was packed. Every every, every month, full yeah. house, every month. So who's doing it right? 
Of course, and again, you speak about like even though it changes, and you and you look back and say, "Well, I prefer this." And of course, go into the electric ballroom and hearing seven hundred people say the f word and the yes, and the c yeah. bomb and all these other things isn't isn't for you. But well, I'll go with it. <laughs> I'll go with it. I like to think that uh, in a couple of months we'll have uh, you at the ballroom with tattoos <laughs> all up your arms, <laughs> with your with your progress T-shirt on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I might even shop you and start effing and blinding myself. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Who, who knows? Who. But yeah, that must have been a, a big, a big eye opener for oh, you to was, kind of go there. And... But then it just shows you that I am, uh, you know, uh, I, I I'm out of date to a certain extent. Oh, I guess, yeah, yeah. I'm still very old school, you know. And, the, and again, the the shows that they would have put on, the variety of the of the shows, like. Yeah how many different people are on it and people you wouldn't have seen before and, and people you have seen before. Yes, yes. So the the wrestling in general. And I know that I spoke a little bit to um, Sid, which I know that you work along Sid yeah. quite a, a bit. Yes, and yes. Sid said um, one of his favourite bits was they were effing and blinding and you were your reaction to that. Yeah. <laughs> and then he said that uh, Travis and Jordan did a lovely bit of wrestling. Yeah, yeah. And he said that uh, you, you stood there and you, you clapped and yeah. turned to Sid and went, oh, that, was, that was good, that was, I enjoyed that, whatever. <laughs> so he said that was a really nice yeah. bit for him, he yeah. saw that. Yeah. Uh, we're reaching the hour mark, so um, how I usually like to wrap these up, uh, John, is if you were to go back and give your former self any advice, what would it be? And then the second question is, and again, I'll repeat it after you've done the first part, but what uh, if you were to give anyone coming into the business now advice, what would that be? So the first bit would be, if we could go back in time and, right. and speak to young John and right. give him advice coming into the business, right. what would that advice be? Uh, um, be a bit more... In my younger days, uh, be a bit more flamboyant. Because I was always a very... Um, what can I say? Sort of shy in a way. Uh, and I used to... I don't know, it's difficult actually. Um, yeah, to be a bit, little bit more flamboyant. I was always a very... Very quiet, very unassuming, very strict wrestler. Strict, strict wrestler. Yes, yeah. Um, used to train like a demon, uh, and I think if I'd have taken some of the energy from what I used to put into the training and put it into a little bit more, shall I say, personality or showmanship? Showmanship. It might have registered a little bit better. You know. Yeah. That's only my opinion now. But that's that's great because again, like a lot of the people would watch would watch you and say you're a legend and icon of the sport. Yeah. And it's always yeah. great to kind of hear. Even you would go back and be like critique and be like, if I could have been a bit more yes. like this, then, yes. but I, then that might have that might have changed everything, and you might not. Well, be the, it might it might have done. It might have totally ruined it for me. You don't know actually. You don't. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it was as it was, and I was what I, I what I was. So you know. Here I am today, and yeah, that's how it is. Yeah, yeah. And the part, second part of the question then would be: if you were to give anyone advice coming into the business now, what would that advice be? You've got to live it. You've got to put one hundred and ten percent in, and live it. Uh, train hard. Work hard. Listen to advice because it's. It's run by people who 
know what they want and who see you as a particular level in that structure. Yeah. You know? And so you need to listen to them and try and give them what they're asking of you. I got you, so play your part. Play your part. Part. And know where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I've always I've always advocated uh, eyes and ears open mouth shut I think that's pretty spot on that's, no. yeah that's absolutely brilliant yeah. but John it's been an absolute pleasure to uh, come up to uh, this lovely home you've got and uh, sit down and, and have a chat with yourself you're welcome so let's say thank you very much John. all right appreciate it okay now will you move that car of yours <laughs> <laughs> How fun was that? Great little episode, that. Um, it was great to go up and sit and uh, sit and chat with Johnny. It's always, uh, oh, he's got, he's got, he knows more about wrestling than, uh, he's probably forgot more about wrestling than I'll ever know. And it's always great to kind of sit and have conversations with him and sit under that learning tree. And we do talk, uh, we did talk about him learning with Billy Robinson. And there's a guy at my gym, which I uh, was speaking to about Billy Robinson the other day, because my mate at the gym is a, a catch wrestler. And I said that Johnny uh, was trained by Billy and he was just absolutely in awe. He just said, well, you need to learn as much as possible. There's there's a saying we have where it's like, the the further you go away from the source, the muddier and the dirtier the information becomes. And it's just because people's memory and the way that people interact and interpretive, interpretive things. So the fact that like, whenever we get a chance to sit and enjoy with Johnny, uh, sit, and enjoy, and, and sit and chat with Johnny, it's an absolute pleasure and I always try to soak that in and try to learn as much as possible when it comes to that. But yeah, great to sit down and chat with him and just kind of chat about how things are different and his take on wrestling now. And I really love how he says that he wishes wrestling was like the olden days, but he understands that it's got to move along. And that's that's so good of him to see that because there are a lot of people out there that uh, refuse to move along. Um, and believe that wrestling should be the way it was in the 80s and the 90s and I love the fact that uh, John's somebody that can kind of look upon that and say you know what it's not my cup of tea I do wish it was the way it was but I understand why it's moved and I understand that the the fans are here and the crowd's enjoying it and all the power to him and as I said speaking to Sid Scala and he was telling me how much uh, Johnny was blown away by uh, how adult progress wrestling is and he couldn't wrap his brain around it a little bit but then uh, when it came to the wrestling itself, he enjoyed it very much, so that was great. And I said, just kind of chatting to John and asking why he kind of stepped away and why he came back and his experiences with kind of the internet and all this. It was He's somebody I've wanted to get on for a while and he's definitely a bucket list person. So uh, I've got a few more bucket list people I want to tick off and get on, um, so I'm definitely going to try to do that. But yeah, big thanks to Johnny for coming on the show. Um, he said to me afterwards that he's not quite sure how a podcast works, so I kind of explained to him a little bit about that. So uh, this is somebody who I've now done a podcast with who 110% is definitely not going to listen to this podcast. But if, if for example, you are Jim Smallman and you are going to have him in the car, maybe pop it on for him, Jim. Let him uh, let him have a listen to uh, the conversation and see what he thinks. But uh, yeah, big thanks, John, for uh, coming on the show. If you have enjoyed the show, please be sure to uh, rate, subscribe, review, tell a friend, do whatever you need to do to get that podcast up the iTunes charts, podcast uh, addict charts, whatever it is. 
and uh, maybe give me a cheeky shout out on the social media I'm at flash underscore morgan on the twitter and facebook.com forward slash flash morgan webster on the facebook I am at flash morgan webster on the instagram I'm forgetting which ones I've said already and if you do want to book me for an upcoming seminar gig or event then all that can be done at flashmorganlive.co.uk um, I think that sums it up big thanks to uh, Johnny Saint big thanks as well for uh, Pins and Knuckles as always Pins and Knuckles merch.com for keeping this podcast free of charge and uh, uh, I guess if I'm plugging anything make sure that you come to uh, Progress on Saturday should be great myself and Wild Boar collectively known as the 198 will be taking on the Anti-Fun Police it is a first time meeting I've wrestled Damien Dunn numerous occasions I've wrestled Santos numerous occasions Wild Boar's wrestled both of them on numerous occasions but this is the first time that uh, the 198 has wrestled them and I look forward to continuing our undefeated singles run, single tag match run, however you want to say that, two-on-two run uh, in straight-up tag team competition. Continue our undefeated run of those matches at Progress. And then I'm at Sheffield then for an evening with Mick Foley on the 13th. So uh, definitely go check that out. Uh, information will be at uh, mickfoley.com, probably. Yeah, I think so. Or southwest.co.uk. Southwest events? I don't, I, I'm not quite sure. Sorry, I'm more when it comes to this sort of stuff. But yeah, definitely go check that out. And uh, I guess all that's left to say is uh, always a pleasure, always a treasure. And uh, bye. Thanks for stopping by. Have a good week, people. Enjoy yourself.